Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. With me today is my regular co-host, Cleveland Area Attorney and Republican Factotum, Jay Carson. All right. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jay. So, you know, we, we went on so long for our Saturday show that it was all about elections. I kind of thought that might happen, and we didn't have the opportunity to talk about, I think, two pretty important stories uh, that were in an already packed week, and that is, uh, first off, President Trump firing Jeff Sessions as the attorney general, and secondly, the president's proclamation in which he denied, us, which would essentially deny asylum to certain certain folks. And so it seemed to me that would make a lot of sense for us to take our Wednesday show and talk about those two issues. So if you're ready, Sounds we can, good. yeah, we can jump right in. So let's start with the Sessions thing. I mean, obviously, President Trump didn't waste any time in getting rid of Jeff Sessions. Uh, and, you know, he's been at odds with his now former attorney general from the very day that Jeff Sessions, I would say honorably and rightly, recused himself from supervising the Mueller investigation. And really, in every single other way, Jeff Sessions has been an absolute dream of an attorney general, at least if you're a, you know, a hardcore law and order conservative. Uh, and I, he I was, like him. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was particularly a very enthusiastic supporter of Donald Trump's strong stance against undocumented immigrants. And that's one of the few policies where Donald Trump seems to actually really care and have, you know, it's not just of convenience, but something he really believes in. And Jeff Sessions was right there along with him, right? So now with Sessions gone, oversight of the Mueller investigation looks like for now at least. It's going to be in the hands of acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. Uh, and he, of course, in the past has made statements suggesting that, well, the Mueller investigation might have gone a little bit too far afield, might have been going on too long, that sort of thing. Um, and in addition to that, it's not entirely clear that the, that the president's appointment of Whitaker is constitutionally valid. Um, there are some experts, including notably uh, White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway's spouse, who claim that this appointment has some constitutional issues. Um, now, there are some statutory things here, Jay, that sort of go both ways. There's the Attorney General Succession Act, which right. says that, and that seems to be pretty a law that's pretty you know, on point, obviously. It says that the Deputy Attorney General, and that would be Rod Rosenstein, takes over until a replacement can be confirmed. But then there's the Federal Vacancies Reform Act that gives the president the power to name anyone in the Department of Justice who's been serving at a high level for 90 days to a vacant attorney general position in an acting capacity. And as the chief of staff to Jeff Sessions, Whitaker would qualify. And it seems to me that that legislation would have precedence because it was passed after the Attorney General Succession Act. But then. There's Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the Constitution, which, of course, trumps any of those laws, that says that principal officers, and that would include the attorney general, must be appointed with the advice and consent, consent of the Senate. So I thought before we get into the policy thing, maybe we could talk about the legal issue here. Um, what's your take on this, on the whole constitutionality of Whitaker actually being appointed uh, uh, acting attorney general? 
Well, I think I think Trump's. Uh, I think you're right. Trump's within his authority to appoint him as acting attorney general. Uh, he will have to get confirmed. Um, I mean, I think that's that's the next step. And again, this just happened. What Wednesday morning? <laughs> so, so it, it's understandable that uh, the Senate has not been able to convene to it to give it advice and consent. And it's it's also unclear whether Whitaker would be uh, the actual you know. Uh, Attorney General that, that Trump would appoint. There, there might be someone else out there, uh, but he's sort of the guy who's who's doing the job uh, in the meantime. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I I think that's that's what's going to happen. Certainly, uh, Republicans in the Senate will insist upon it. Uh, I don't think just just because of the you know it's the prerogative of the Senate, uh, they're not going to let that slip away and just say, oh well, we'll just allow this. Um, uh, uh, you know, appointment to to go to go unconfirmed and and have him be indefinitely acting uh, attorney general. So, um, yeah, and, my sense is there'll be discussion the next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, McConnell has said that that uh, he expects uh, this to be a very brief acting attorney general period, which clearly suggests that he plans on moving very quickly to confirm someone. And certainly now, right. well, I mean. The Republicans have the numbers to to confirm whoever you know uh, Whitaker or any or anyone or anyone else certainly, but uh, Democrats will certainly use the process if it's Whitaker or anyone else to highlight what they feel might be you know negative effects, uh, particularly regarding the uh, regarding the, uh, the the Mueller probe. But I wanted to get so kind of moving into that that policy aspect of it first off in terms of just the firing in the first place. Now, some on the left particularly are saying, well, you know, this is just a, a shocking abuse of power and so forth. And to me, I don't, that's not my sense is attorney generals tend to, you know, they don't, they don't tend to necessarily last all that long. And it's very sure. common after midterms for presidents to shake up their, their, uh, their upper staff. And so to me, it's not like that's, like so many of the things that Donald Trump has done are just kind of outside the bounds of normalcy when it comes to the president. This, not so much. It's maybe more that Donald Trump has just so telegraphed his great eagerness to do this, and he did it <laughs> as soon as humanly possible. And, you know, there are some people are saying, well, this is part of a grand strategy to do X, Y, Z. And, and honestly, again, this gets to me to that. Do you want to see... Donald Trump is the four-dimensional chess master, or do you just want to see, as I kind of see it more, as Donald Trump tending to act and react at a personal peak? And to me, that's that's that to me is right. the simplest. Sessions kind of pissed him off, and yeah. he, you know, yeah, he fired him. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't see any. Now, again, there's there's going to be this sort of idea of no matter who Trump would would uh, appoint that while this is going to be someone who is it's conspiratorial because. Um, uh, you know, Trump obviously supports whoever it is he nominates, and therefore there's a quid pro quo that those person will get rid of Mueller and stop the investigation or whatever. Um, again, that there's, I don't, I don't see any evidence for that. And and look, I I think you, you've got to realize. I mean, the attorney general is not, um, is not a separate branch of government, right? This is part of the the executive branch, and he is uh, subject to to being fired uh, by the president. Um, at, at the president's will. Um, now, if the president were to do things, take steps to uh, try to subvert a, a uh, ongoing investigation or, or something like that, 
uh, obstruct justice. That's uh, that's a different matter. Uh, but it's also not. A, it's also certainly uh, allowable that the attorney general ought to have some sort of oversight uh, over uh, over the investigations that are being uh, you know that, that are going on. So. Yeah, you know, and I think certainly it seems that uh, uh, Rosenstein has is, is more of a seems to be more of a supporter of of the Mueller investigation than from what what we've seen, what little we've you seen. So? But but then again, you know, on the other <laughs> hand, and, and maybe uh, maybe this is me trying too hard to be, I don't know, to, to look for the sort of non sensationalist view is that. When Whitaker made some of his comments, he was making them in a very different position with access to less information, presumably, than he will have as acting attorney general. And so I'm trying not to jump to conclusions. Now, it could be by the time this this airs and we're recording this on, you know, on Saturday to to air on Wednesday, it could be that all of a sudden Whitaker fires, you know, uh, ends ends the Mueller investigation. All of a sudden, then everything I say goes out the window. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. No, I'm um, betting that doesn't I, and I, happen. I don't even see, and I don't think. Uh, I don't think Whitaker is going to be the next Attorney General. Yeah. Um, that, that would be sort of a, a strange. Again, usually with cabinet officials, you pick someone who is a a politician, rightly or wrongly, um, or or is you know sort of well known uh, in 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 the bureaucracy. Uh, and and Whitaker is, you know, he's he's the next guy under, but I, I don't think he's got. Um, he's certainly not uh, Jeff Sessions. So, well, I think that the issue is he's not the next guy under that would be Rosenstein. But it's pretty clear that President Trump sure. is no fan of his, which is why he essentially bypassed him to appoint Sessions chief of staff. And again, there are a couple ways to look at this: is this his, you know, is this his Trump the grand strategist, or just Chris, or just Trump saying, "I hate this guy." And so I'm going to I'm going to appoint somebody else. And to me, you know, that's that's kind of. But but I think from a political standpoint, given what we think we know about where the Mueller investigation is at, which is pretty close to the end, it seems like that it probably makes a lot more sense to let it play out politically than to just cause a huge firestorm. Oh, absolutely. Now, whether or not the president We'll see it that way. Who knows? He's always the wild card in this. But I think that there are a lot of people uh, who are telling him, uh, let's let this play out and don't. And I think what you're arguing in, in part is that Whitaker, as a political animal, understands this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would think so. Yeah. Or let's put this, it would be certainly uh, be problematic and, and would, would seem to be uh, strange for for someone who is Again, not the second in command, but sort of the third, or you know, sort of on a different command tree, if you will. Uh, do all of a sudden jump in and and say, "I'm, you know, I'm I'm terminating the investigation." Uh, that, I mean, that that just sends up red flags all over the place. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. So uh, it's it's much much more sensible to say, "Hey, I'm the guy who's filling in right now, and uh, I'm just going to, you know." Steady as she goes, and until we get uh, somebody confirmed by the Senate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you're right. I think you're right on that. You know, before we move on, I wanted to ask you. So, how would you overall evaluate Sessions' tenure as Attorney General? Um, I, I'd say you know pretty pretty good. Um, I, you know, I disagreed with him on some of the um, 
you know, pushing on the the federal marijuana stuff and the fight. I mean, but but to some extent, look, that's a, maybe that's a fight that you need to have. Um, and what I'm saying is, you know, of course, federal law uh, outlaws uh, marijuana. It's still a prohibited substance. Some states, yep. yeah, have have uh, uh, made it legal. Um, and what do you do when you when you run into those kind of issues where something is legal under state law and illegal under federal law? The Constitution would tell you that the federal law trumps the state law, uh, and the the you know experience up, up to had had been sort of well, we'll just we'll just kind of look the other way. Um, and and look, it's it's I don't know that that's the right constitutional thing to do. So, um, I, you know, I, again, it's one of those I'm I'm it, it's not a, it's not a good hill to fight on for him or it wasn't a good hill to fight on, but he still did it. And I, I so I sort of appreciate that. Um, otherwise, I, I look, I, I think he's done uh, a good job. There's nothing that jumps out at me. All right. I mean, there may be stuff that jumps out at you of, of stuff that he did that was somehow extraordinary or different than what you would expect of, of a just regular attorney general. Well, well, to me, it's sort of a case. I mean, that, I guess, do you have anything that jumps out as like, you know, well, I guess, yeah. What, what to, scares you about sessions of yikes? You to know, me, it's more a case of sort of, you know, the, the 1980s called, they want their criminal justice policy back sort of thing It's you know, and he, right. he came up Which in I this, like. <laughs> oh, yeah, like he came up in this very tough on crime, throw them all, you know, put them all in jail, throw away the key kind of, kind of thing. And it seems to me that that's not the direction we're moving in. And I think, especially on drug issues, for very good reasons. You know, before he was uh, a named attorney general, before you know President Trump was elected, there was an emer- what maybe it's a little optimistic, but an emerging consensus that we needed to re-examine some of these drug laws that were passed in the '80s and the early '90s because they were too draconian. They were actually counterproductive in a lot of ways, essentially. But Sessions being attorney general sort of stopped all that dead in its tracks. And so I'm, I, I would be surprised if whoever takes over would be anywhere near as sort of hard line as Sessions is on that. And so in that sense, I see that it, there's almost nowhere to go but up on that. Um, but on the other hand, while Sessions was so totally hardcore and by the book, and while in some ways I saw that as a detriment, when it comes to the Mueller investigation, I think the same sort of principles that made him so by the book when it comes to immigration, these other things, and unwilling to look the other way, those were the same principles that made him say, I have to recuse myself from this. Right. He's, he's Joe Friday, man. He's, you know. Exactly. So. Uh, well, I, and I, I want to point, I mean, you, you said, listen, there's, there are issues with our, our, our sentencing policy. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, but it's not the attorney general's job to decide uh, what, uh, you know, what the law, those, those law, laws ought to be. That's up to Congress. The attorney general's job is to enforce what's on the books. But um, there is, right? I and mean, again, that's what I sort of appreciate that. But, but, but I mean, I guess I'm saying that you can make a reasonable argument that under the Obama administration, a prosecutorial discretion was abused. Um, yes. And I'm actually not unsympathetic to that argument. But you can also say that you don't simply ignore the fact that there is prosecutorial discretion. I mean, there's a there's a happy medium sort of way. And I think that while the Obama administration in some areas may have erred too far on one side, I think under Jeff Sessions, perhaps there was too much error on 
just ignoring any kind of discretion and saying, we're just going to enforce this hardcore hundred percent zero tolerance. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Kind of a judgment call, but, obviously. Yeah. But, but yeah. Well, you know, let's move on to um, another speaking of uh, zero tolerance and asylum and all that kind of stuff on Friday. President Trump signed a proclamation that denied the right to apply for asylum to immigrants who cross into the United States illegally, though with an exception for children who cross without their parents. Okay. Now, the, prop, the proclamation cited border security as well as what they uh, characterized as the essentially automatic release of large number of, asyl- of asylum applicants into the United States, often for years, essentially, until mm-hmm. their cases can be heard as the reasons for uh, this proclamation. And the president also directed his administration to committing additional resources to the border to help process the flood of asylum applicants that we've seen in the last few years. So, uh, Jay, what do you think? Is this a, a sensible move or another example of anti-immigrant overreach by President Trump? <laughs> Let me, let me guess where you're going. Um, no, I, I think it's it's pretty sensible. The idea is, and again, let's let's make sure we all, and you, you and I know what we're talking about. We want to show our listeners now. Requesting asylum is something different than, hey, I'm I'm requesting to move into your country or I'm I'm immigrating. Right. There is there are defined criteria for what you need to to gain asylum, and it's typically. Uh, you are you are fleeing uh, some sort of you know political or religious persecution, uh, or you're a victim of of some sort of natural disaster, um, uh, or or that there is you know conditions that make it sort of unsafe that you're hounded out of your country you know of civil war or whatever. Um, it's it, asylum is not simply uh, I'd like to move to this this country because uh, there's better economic opportunities for me, um, and and again that that maybe. <laughs> may be harsh and, and someone can make the argument of well if your economic opportunities are so limited somewhere else uh you know aren't you really being forced isn't that the same as as you know government repression and you maybe have a good argument there uh but that's not what the statute says uh so and i, w- I will say that under the obama administration the grounds for a granting asylum were were interpreted more liberally, uh, no pun intended, than and, you know, Jeff Sessions basically said, we're going to be very, very conservative and you know, very, very strict in how we interpret. And then there is some, uh, we should say that in deciding these claims, the attorney general essentially has just about the last word yeah. on these things. He has an awful lot of discretion. So this is where a case where it really matters who the attorney general is. And it's not like a, it's not like there's no wiggle room. There's an awful lot of room in here. And there's, we saw very different interpretations from Obama to the Trump administration on this. Well, and I, and I would, I would argue that, that the Obama interpretations sort of abandoned the statute, right? I mean, there's one thing to say interpretations and exercising discretion. Uh, it's another to say, look, I, we're just not going to, you know, enforce the parts of the law we don't like. Um, but I mean, what what Trump is saying is is listen, there's a process for for applying for asylum, and it is you go to a uh, official point of entry and you say hi, I'm here to uh, seek asylum, and you go through an application process, and then you are enrolled in that application process. Uh, and he's saying this should not apply to people who cross illegally. And again, seeking asylum is is legal. Uh, there's if if you do that, you are. Um, 
sort of legally entitled to to be here while that that case is being decided. Um, and just to be clear on that, Jay, uh, that that applies cur- under current law. That applies regardless of how you've entered the country, whether it's legally or not. And that's the change, saying that well, if you're entering legally, we're just going to essentially summarily deny that claim for exactly. asylum. And so that is but, that is actually in violation of law, but the president has, has the authority, authority to, yeah. Yeah, citing national security reasons, which, okay, you can't see me roll my eyes here, but, but there you go. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and so I just want to be clear on that. So well, I, I would argue his, his, uh, his authority exceeds national security. Uh, I think, hang on, I had the language in front of me here, but my phone went off. Um, but well, well, while you're looking for that, I, I will say, I will. I would encourage everyone to actually read the proclamation. When I did read it, a couple things occurred to me. Number one, it clearly the president did not write this proclamation because it was actually very sort of sober and very clearly and rationally argued and so forth. It was about the most untrumpian thing that you could possibly imagine. So it's worth reading. I think just for that. So someone clearly gave this to him. And he show you know signed it. But uh, but also. You know, I felt like it made some fairly reasonable points. Now, to me, if I knew nothing else but was in this proclamation, I would say, well, you know, this seems pretty reasonable. Um, but to me, a lot really rests on that uh, committing additional resources to the border to kind of deal with this flood of asylum applicants. Now, if I thought that there was going to be a truly good faith effort to do this to the extent that it needs to be done, I would probably feel, not probably, I would feel a lot differently about this, but I don't know that that's going to be the case. And I, I, I really hesitate to, to assume bad faith because that's not how I like to argue. So I'm basing this in part on the president's rhetoric, essentially don't let these people in, that sort of thing. So it's hard for me to assume good faith on the part of the president here. And that's why, that's kind of why I'm arguing from this position. Okay. So here I, I found it. Uh, okay, it go says, ahead. Uh, the president may by proclamation, that's what he did. Yep. And for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens, all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants. And that would be asylum seekers uh, or impose on the entry of aliens, any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's pretty broad. Yeah. And I think that as a general rule that, uh, you know, you, the, the benefit of the doubt goes to the president on this, because there was this assumption that, of course, the president would use this in a, in a wise and judicious type of manner and so forth. Now, now, my sense of how this played out is that the president is said, it, is it, is it, is it injudicious to say we want the people who are seeking asylum to go to the uh, places where they're supposed yeah. to go to sign up for asylum, yeah, and, and again, just run it, across the border. Yeah, and if you read the read the proclamation, it seems like a fairly judicious type of statement. Now, my sense of how this played out is that the president said, "What what do I need to do to keep them all out?" And he said, "Well, <laughs> you can write this proclamation. I'll do that. Yeah, okay, I'll do that." And then at the rallies, I'll say, "We're keeping them all out." And they, but but the, I guess the the point being is to me the crux of this matter has it, it focuses on the system, the horribly broken system we have set up to deal with these claims. Uh, right now, we just reached, just a few days ago, in fact, or a week ago, 
we just reached a combined case backlog for asylum claims of over a million. I think right now it's like 1.1 million cases. Now, I would, I would love to see a bipartisan bill that would give us the capacity to clear this backlog in a reasonable amount of time. And also that would ensure that all cases could be heard within, say, three to four weeks of application. And not only that, but that would provide reasonable facilities to hold in a, in a humane manner asylum seekers while they're waiting for their cases to be decided. We don't have anything close to that. Now, the administration has been working on increasing the number of immigration, uh, immigration law judges, and those are positions that are named by the attorney general. And it's gone up a bit since the start of the Trump administration. But right now, to give you a sense, there are just under 400 immigration judges dealing with that combined caseload of 1.1 million cases. I mean, yeah. that's, that's insane. That, that's just totally, totally untenable. And until we deal with that, this is not going to get any better. And that, I think, is where Congress has fallen down, because ultimately, you're going to need to appropriate a fair amount of money to deal with this sort of thing. And that's what I think the responsible thing to do is. And that's what I want to see Congress do. So, all right. I, I'd say you're, you're not necessarily wrong on let's make sure we have the resources to deal with this. But the other big gaping hole that we need to plug is the way this uh, asylum process works. Uh, and, and that, you know, what has happened, and, and those numbers sort of testify to it, is that you can go get around the regular U.S. immigration process by simply showing up and saying, I claim asylum. Or I'm um, asking to claim asylum. I'm yes. asking for asylum. Uh, and the result is, as the president has has said, it's it's a catch and release type situation. You come in, and well, if you show up for your hearing, great. If you don't, you don't. And most people uh, do. We'll deny your we'll deny your asylum, but but then you're you're still here. Sure. Um, and that's that's a a gaping hole. Uh, I think this this step uh, saying, listen, we're going to automatically deny asylum to people if you don't go through the right the right process, enter at the right port of entry. Uh, I think that's a good first step. See, in, in inserting this out. Yeah, and I think it's horribly incomplete. I, and I think a, a president who truly cared about something more than just keeping out those people uh, would have combined this with a call, with a strong call for some you know, measures along the lines of what I talked about. But I, I don't think the president cares about that one whit. Well, he's also he's also called for a wall, which would yeah, exactly you know. So yeah, himself. I think he's I think he's proposed a solution. It's just not the solution you'd like. Yeah, well, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the humane solution. I don't think it's a solution that is in keeping with the proudest traditions of this country. Sure, sure, and I I, I get it. But um, let's let's keep in mind. I mean, what's what's going on right now? It, it it's either you know the the choice seems to be uh, we would let in a lot of asylum seekers who don't who tend not to show up for their hearings uh, and are here, and it's a de facto uh, open border. And and that's well. That's a, now, well okay. with me that look that, that we can't have that de facto open sure. open border. Well, it's not a okay. I'll I'll, I'll say that it's not a de facto open border, given that the vast majority of people who, uh, the vast majority of the people who have hearings that are delayed actually do come back and go to their hearings. But I will say that there's a significant amount of what you might call leakage. And so yeah, are, are, and, the, and the vast majority of the, the claims are denied. Right. Exactly. And so. There are there are obviously some issues 
with that. But to say that, as the president has said, that Democrats are in favor of open borders is just simply untrue. It's an, I, yet, didn't, I didn't say I didn't. No, say no, Democrats no, I'm not saying you're I, saying it. I'm saying that yeah. the president says it. And so, you know, it's you can look at the doctor proclamation for what it says. And I think that's obviously important. But you also have to look at it in the context of what the president has said more generally. And so when I just, and that's my, that was my point, when looking at just the proclamation, saying, well, okay, this seems reasonable. So if, for instance, a President Kasich had signed this proclamation, so I'd be like, well, you know, okay, let's see how this works out. This seems reasonable. But it wasn't President Kasich. It's President Trump. And based on what I know about President Trump, that's my concern. And I think it's a reasonable concern. But that's all right. I'll just say that's that's not the way the law works, right? It's it's not uh, um, it, it's what is actually in the uh, in the bill in the in the uh, in the enactment in the proclamation that counts, and uh, whether you like the guy who proposed it or not, <clears throat> that's that's sort of a separate question. Yeah, his authority doesn't. His, I mean, you're not arguing his he somehow would lack the authority because no, his no, heart no. isn't in the right place. No, no, not at all. What I guess what I'm saying, and maybe I'm being unclear, is I'm not saying, I'm not talking about because I don't like the guy. What I'm saying is I don't, I think that if a well-intentioned president would have, even whose views I disagree with, would have proposed this and had sincerely made an effort to kind of lead a legislative charge to try to fix the system, you know, to again, kind of in, be in keeping with those traditions of, no, of, of I eat a wall. But. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's my point is that it seems to me that the president is trying to craft as much as possible just to keep those people out. And I think, you know, even the tradition in this country, even the Republican tradition, really, in many, in many ways was to actually welcome people. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm all for welcoming immigrants, I, I but I'm, I'm, I'm for welcoming immigrants in an orderly, uh, orderly manner done, done by law. I am too. You know, you and I agree, I think very much on this. And I think that's where we part, comp we part ways with, uh, with the president on this basically, yeah. you know? And so I see this as just the president, just trying to find one more way to keep people he doesn't like out of his country, essentially. You know, I think he probably sees right. it as a sort of proprietary sort of way. But uh, all right, then. Well, I think that that kind of clears up our, our story, ba our story backlog. I, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about those two things. So uh, uh, that does it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We do hope you like what you heard. And hey, if you do like what you heard, listener support is what keeps the show going. We really appreciate it. There are two ways to support the show. Well, there are probably at least half a dozen I can think of, too, Jay. One is, of course, big ones. give us a little bit of money. That really helps. It, you know, it, it's not free to do this. And so if you can support the show financially, we really do appreciate it. Just go to politicsguys.com slash support, and uh, that'll take you to what you need to do. Also, if you can't afford to support the show, we totally get that. But sharing these episodes, uh, subscribing to the show, telling people about the show, that, that helps us out a ton. So if you can do that, that would be great. And finally, if you got a question, comment, uh, you know, just want to hear uh, hear us kind of hold forth on something you have to say, let us know. Send us an email at mail at politicsguys.com. You can also message us at our Facebook page. And we have all kinds of discussions about Jeff Sessions and asylum and immigration throughout the week. That's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And we're also on Twitter at 
Politics Guys. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Michael Baranowski, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorff, Will Miller, and Bruce Johnson. Today's show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Saturday. We hope you'll join us.